Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A couple of years back, I did an episode called The Diversity Show. It ran in February as part of Black History Month. The goal was to salute the contributions of people of African descent to the world of rock, and it was quite the list. We had Jimi Hendrix, I had to talk about him, of course, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. But then there was a band called Death, a criminally overlooked group from Detroit who were about 20 years ahead of their time. They're only getting some recognition now. We talked about Bad Brains, the great hardcore band from D.C. We moved to England for discussions about ska stars, the specials, and the English beat. There was the punk funk of Fishbone, the metal crunch of both Living Color and Ice-T's Body Count. And we included Lenny Kravitz, Block Party, Bacar, Kenny Hoopla, and more. But the list was incomplete, of course. There was only so much time, and there were so many people and events that we need to talk about. So let's spread the recognition around a little more for Black History Month 2023. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Starting the program in 1979 with The Selector, one of the original two-tone ska bands from Coventry, England. Like their mates, The Specials, The Selector had a mixed-race lineup, but they went further by being mixed-gender. Out front was Pauline Black. She was born to an Anglo-Jewish mother, a Nigerian father, and raised by a white middle-class couple. She was brought up as Pauline Vickers, but adopted the stage name Pauline Black for a couple of reasons. First of all, she didn't want her boss to know that she was playing in a band. He apparently frowned on things like that, and to acknowledge her African roots. Pauline has been active in music for more than 40 years, but she also hosted a TV quiz show for kids, acted on both stage and television, and has even done some work on the radio for the BBC, which brings us nicely back to that song on my radio. Hello again, I'm Ellen Cross, and every couple of years, I like to update a look at Black History Month. It's only right, given that rock and roll has descended substantially from black music. The blues, rhythm and blues, jump blues, jazz, gospel, and so many other genres. We're going to bob and weave through the history of alt-rock and talk about more black artists who have made our music possible. Some you'll no doubt have heard of, others maybe not so much, and we need to fix that. In fact, let's start with someone everyone should know about, but sadly does not. Her name was Tina Bell, and she rightly might be considered one of the inventors of grunge. Tina was a black woman who fronted a very grungy-sounding band from Seattle called Bam Bam, and they were doing their grunge thing in 1983, a couple of years before that sound really began to catch on. Bam Bam featured her husband, Tommy Martin, a friend named Scott Lockwood, and a kid on drums named Matt Cameron. And yeah, that's the same Matt Cameron who would later become part of both Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. Tina and Bam Bam were grunge before anyone even started using that word. But Tina and the band were never given the credit they deserve. In fact, they're almost completely expunged from the history of grunge. Even what exists about them online is often incorrect. Some mentions of the band leave Tina out entirely. Why would that happen? Well, maybe because this was a black woman fronting this kind of punky rock band in a man's world. Or it could be that Bam Bam's sound was five years too early. Bad management might be another problem a record deal that went very wrong, 
or maybe they just stopped at the wrong time. Tina fronted Bam Bam until 1990, one year before grunge exploded. Let's check out a song. Bam Bam recorded one album in 1984 called Free Fall from Space. It's pretty much lost, except for something like YouTube. Here's a song called Ground Zero. That's Seattle's Bam Bam featuring singer Tina Bell, and it's from 1984. And it sounds great, right? So why have so few people heard about them? It's very strange considering that they played some important gigs and festivals, recorded at the same studio where Nirvana made their first records, won some local music awards, and had the Melvins open for them. And get this, Bam Bam once featured a roadie named Kurt Cobain. If you want to know more about Tina, who died in 2012, by the way, there's a biography written by her son called Conversations with the Grunge Queen. This guy is an Academy Award-winning documentary director, and I know he'd love to do something on his mom. Let's bounce over to Thundercat. He's from Los Angeles, and his real name is Stephen Lee Bruner. He's a bass player, singer, producer, and songwriter who has been in the business since he was 16. Thundercat comes from a very musical family. His dad played drums for The Supremes and Gladys Knight and The Temptations and other Motown acts. His mother was also a professional musician, playing the flute and percussion. His first major gig came as a member of Suicidal Tendencies, the great hardcore thrash band. He's released a bunch of albums on his own, appeared with Kendrick Lamar on his To Pimp a Butterfly album, for which he won a Grammy, and he's got a Grammy of his own for his 2020 album, It Is What It Is. People love to collaborate with this guy, ranging from Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald to Herbie Hancock to Flying Lotus to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And you may know him from his featured appearance on the Gorilla song, Cracker Island. Here's another black artist who found a niche in the world of alt-rock, Willow. She's the daughter of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, two people who have had their own music careers. Will is a rapper, of course, and Mom is a singer of a new metal band called Wicked Wisdom. Willow started out as an actor and did really, really well, winning a bunch of awards. But she really found a home in the world of music. She's gone through several different styles and genres, but really seems to have a flair for punk pop, working on her own as well as collaborating with people like Machine Gun Kelly and Travis Barker of Blink-182. In fact, let's have a listen to that song from 2021. This is called Transparent, featuring Travis. Willow Smith and part of her pop-punk catalog from the album Lately I Feel Everything, which was released on Jay-Z's Rock Nation label. Back with more profiles of black alt-rock artists for Black History Month in just a sec. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is an episode designed just for Black History Month. We're looking at alt-rock performers with African descent who have made their own mark on our music. Julianne Taylor is a Canadian singer-songwriter from Toronto who has been making music for more than two decades. His background is part Caribbean and part Mohawk. These days, he's best known as a roots performer and someone who wins awards for his folk music. I first came across Julian when he fronted Staggered Crossing, otherwise known as Stag X. This was a Toronto band. They came together in 1996, got a deal with Warner Music in 1997, and released a debut album in 2001. From there, they toured with Nickelback, The Guess Who, Midnight Oil, Spirit of the West, Blue Rodeo, Big Sugar, and others. And by the time they broke up in 2007, they'd released four albums and one EP. This song was a single from their self-titled debut album and was a decent-sized rock radio hit through the spring of 2001. It's called A Million Works of Art. There's no way that we can do a show for Black History Month without talking about Tom Morello. He's got to be one of the most famous of all alt-rock guitarists. And talk about a story. Listen to this. Tom was born in Harlem. His mom was both Irish and Italian, while his dad was from Kenya. Dad's name was Negethe Najoroch. He participated in the Mau Mau Uprising, an eight-year-long revolt against British colonialism. After that ended in 1960, Tom's dad became Kenya's first-ever ambassador to the United Nations. Meanwhile, a great-uncle on his dad's side was elected the first president of an independent Kenya. Another uncle ended up as a cabinet minister. And his parents met while both were at a pro-democracy protest in Nairobi. She soon found herself pregnant and returned to New York with Ngethe, where Tom was born. So, if you've ever wondered where Tom gets his interest in politics, it literally runs in his blood. Back in the U.S., Tom went to school in Illinois. In the same class was this kid named Adam Jones. He would later grow up to be the guitarist in Tool. After picking up the guitar at age 13, he played in a bunch of bands with names like Nebula and Electric Sheep, which, by the way, also featured Adam Jones. Although these bands covered songs like Led Zeppelin, Bachman Turner Overdrive, and Black Sabbath, Tom was profoundly affected by Run DMC and Public Enemy. That's how his guitar style developed, scratching the strings like a DJ would scratch on a turntable. Tom's politics have always leaned left, going as far as being a little anarchist at times, even in high school. He graduated with honors and enrolled in Harvard as a political science student. He played in more bands there, too, including one called Board of Education, which also featured a future Nobel Prize winner in chemistry. Leaving Harvard with a bachelor's in social studies, he moved to Los Angeles in 1986, where times were so tight that he supported himself working as a male stripper for bachelorette parties. You heard me. Meanwhile, Adam Jones, who had also moved west, was looking to form his own band. Tom introduced Adam and his new friend, singer Maynard James Keenan, to a drummer named Danny Carey. So, uh, yeah, Tom basically put Tool together. For a while, he worked in the office of a U.S. senator. But what he saw really disillusioned him. He was never, after this, going to have a career in politics. Music was his thing, starting with a band called Lockup. And they lasted one album before breaking up, with Tom moving on to Rage Against the Machine. Now, I think we're all pretty familiar with Tom's work in Rage, as well as some of his solo work, and in the supergroup Prophets of Rage. But have you ever heard him in Lockup? Let's try something from the album Something Bitchin' This Way Comes. This is called Punch Drunk 
and gives us an indication of where Tom's guitar playing was headed back in 1989. From 1989, that's Tom Morello's pre-Rage Against the Machine band called Lock Up with Punch Drunk. This would be a good time to segue into horror. Not the genre, not the movies. This is a punk rap group from Newark, New Jersey. They're very much into the same headspace as Rage. Two guys, the OGM and Yeti 999, they met going to basement punk shows. They both loved hardcore and they loved hip-hop. They both loved horror movies, especially those directed by Rob Zombie. So why not form a band? Over the years, they've developed a sound that can be really out there with the heaviest nine-inch nails can offer. They also have a reputation of staging some pretty wild shows. Horror has opened up for Avenged Sevenfold, Korn, Alice in Chains, Three Days Grace, Prophets of Rage, and more. And guys like Blink-182's Travis Barker, there he is again, and Slipknot's Corey Taylor have worked on songs with them. In fact, here's a track that features both those guys. This is Horror and Bite My Face. That's horror, which you spell with the number nine in the place of the R's, by the way. That's Bite My Face with guest vocals from Corey Taylor of Slipknot, and the whole thing was produced by Travis Barker of Blink-182. A few more alt-rock acts driven by black performers still to come, so hang on. Let's go through a few more alt-rock performers who are of African heritage. Noelle Skaggs is the co-lead singer of Fits in the Tantrums. She's been a member of the group since 2010. She's also worked with the Black Eyed Peas, Damian Marley, and others. TV on the radio was a major part of the New York City indie scene in the early 2000s. This was the same scene that gave us the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, the Strokes, the Rapture, and LCD sound system. Tunde Adabimpe is in charge of vocals and loops with TV on the radio. Chuck Mosley, an early singer of Faith No More, was interracial. His mother was Jewish, and his dad was both Black and Native American. Then we have these guys. They're not exactly pure alternative, but Outkast has had their share of alt-rock hits. The two guys there are Andre 3000 and Big Boy Patton. And then there's Faithless, the British electronic slash hip-hop slash dance slash whatever band, fronted by a guy named Maxi Jazz. He was a singer, a rapper, a songwriter, a DJ, and musician. Faithless came together in 1995 and ended up selling millions of records, mostly in the UK and Europe. Their stuff was mostly political, and with Maxi's way with words, you never, ever didn't know where they stood. They were very clear. He was also a big racing fan and a collector of cars. My favorite Faithless song is this one from their 2004 album, No Roots. Love the lyrics here. This is Mass Destruction. Is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether Halliburton and run or anyone breathe is a weapon of mass destruction. We need to find courage. Overcome inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a Faithless, featuring the late Maxi Jazz. He died on Christmas Eve 2022 at the age of 65. Moving on to more alt-rock players of African descent. Fever 333 is a California band led by Jason Alton Butler. His dad was black, his mom was Scottish, and I highly recommend their stuff if you like Rage Against the Machine. Again, the band is Fever 333. Then there's the Nova Twins, guitarist Amy Love, who is of Nigerian and Iranian descent, and bass player Georgia South has parents who are Jamaican and Australian. 
and they call what they do urban punk. Okay, what about Russell Hobbs of Gorillaz? Yeah, he's a virtual character. But behind him is a real black man named Remy Kakaba Jr. He's been the band's drummer and producer since 2016. There's Canada's Bedouin Soundclash. Bass player Eon Sinclair has Caribbean heritage. Bob Marley should probably be on this list. Okay, not an alternative artist per se, but his music has had plenty of influence on alt-rock through the decades. So it would be a crime to leave him out. So let's put Bob Marley on the list. And let's end with Massive Attack. Two of the three main guys are black, Adrian Tricky Thaws and Grant Daddy G. Marshall. Tricky's father was Jamaican, while his mother was both English and Guyanese. And both of Daddy G's parents are from the West Indies. As trip-hop bands go, Massive Attack is one of the all-time best. They've been a going concern since 1988 and have a long list of excellent records. My personal favorite is Mezzanine from 1998, which features this song called Angel. Daddy G was the main songwriter, and the guest vocalist is Horace Andy, a Jamaican root singer. Well, I've again run out of time for this latest episode celebrating Black History Month. There are a couple of others in the podcast archives if you want to go back and explore more. Meanwhile, here are a few more names that you might want to check out on your own. There is one or more person of African descent in the following. There's vocalist Militia Fox, who not only performs in a Judas Priest cover band, she released a cover of Tools 46 and 2. Her vocal range extends over four octaves. Speaking of covers, there's Sophia Arista and Brass Against. They've been described as the love channel of Rage Against the Machine and some kind of old-school brass band. Another intense band is Oxymorons. They're from Queens in New York City, and you can call them alternative hip-hop with a hard rock twist. Meet Me at the Altar is like a black version of Paramore, except that they're all women and LGBTQ+. They're an excellent pop-punk band. Most of the time, the members are in three different states, Florida, Georgia, New Jersey, and they all collaborate on songs online. Young Fathers, fantastic lo-fi Indietronica band from Edinburgh, who won Britain's Mercury Prize in 2014. There's Blood Orange, the stage name of Dev Hines. He used to be in a teenage punk band with the unfortunate name Test Icicles. Say that fast. Let's go back to the early days of punk. Don Letts, a confidant and friend of both the Sex Pistols and The Clash, he was the DJ who introduced reggae and dub to a new generation of these punk kids in the 1970s in clubs where they hung out. See, there were no punk records yet, so that music, Jamaican music, dub music, black music, became theirs until they had some punk records to listen to. And later on, Don would become a member of Big Audio Dynamite with his Clash buddy, Mick Jones. And one more, Danny Denial. He's a black queer person who rages against those particular prejudices. Highly recommended. Again, if you want to learn more about black artists, head into the Ongoing History Archives and look for those shows that celebrate diversity in alt-rock. All podcasts are free, and you can download them from any platform you want. I'm also available through Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My website is ajournalofmusicalthings.com, and my email is always open to you. It's alan at alancross.ca. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.